Hi there, everybody. This is Daryl Dutt again from Alabama. I'm just calling to check in to make sure you guys are still making new shows and having a good time. I can't wait to hear about the time you spent with Steve in California, J.D. But at this time, I am concerned with a more pressing matter. It has come to my attention that some of your listeners believe that I am just an impression of the assistant editor of MuppetCast.com, Chris Harris. Now, I know I should take this as a compliment, since Mr. Harris is responsible for keeping the MuppetCast social media feed alive and updated with all the latest in Muppet news. But since listeners of Little Faith believe I don't exist, I feel the need to set the record straight. I am not an impression of Chris Harris, and to prove it to you, here he is now, an impression of Chris Harris. Uh, now? Yes, now. Uh, hello, everyone. I'm an impression of Chris Harris, and I like Mr. Rogers an awful lot. Now, impression of Chris Harris, am I you? Uh, no, you are not. And have you ever been me? Well, no, I don't believe I have. Well, there you have it, folks. In closing, I would like to thank the management of MuppetHub.com for running the Elmo Jones segment in the last episode of Muppet Fans Talking. Finally, someone is speaking the important truths that need to be said. Don't you agree, Chris? Uh, well, I can't honestly say that I'm entirely in agreement Just with Elmo Jones' remarks. Just say you agree, remarks. Chris. Yeah, all right. Good, good. Keep up the good work, guys. Y'all take care now. Ladies, gentlemen, and everybody, it's time for Muppet Fans Talking with J.D. and Steve. Yay! Welcome to Muppet Fans Talking. Join us as Jim Henson fans from around the globe come together with commentary on the news and productions of the Jim Henson Company, Sesame Workshop, Muppets Studio, and beyond. Now, here's your host, or at least he's one of them, J.G. Hansel. Welcome, one and all. Thank you for joining us for episode number eight of Muppet Fans Talking. And this week, we're in for a lot of fun. I'm J.D. Hansel of MuppetHub.com, and joining me is the furry, fuzzy, funny man... Don't ever call me that again. Uh, Jared Faircloth from MuppetMindset.com. And thank heavens there is no Steve this week. I finally no get a break from Steve Swanson. Oh, wow. We're like the Muppets. Ooh. No more Steve. Uh, oh, oh, well, all right, uh, welcome to the show, everybody. I believe now you, uh, now you know, if you've never listened to the show before, basically what to expect. I guess we apparently go there. Uh, <laughs> but my old buddy Steve Swanson is not with us this week. He's busy with something that he didn't really tell me about. Um, presumably he's just sitting in a corner being angry about Happy Time Murders or something like that. But I'm good, because I just spent a whole week with him in California. Yes, the two of us finally got together in person for the first time in three years, and we saw Disneyland, we saw a cool Jim Henson exhibit where they had uh, a neat event with none other than Karen Prell, John Tartaglia, and Dave Goles. And Karen, of course, got out Red Fraggle, and it was a lot of fun. So we've got, Oh, you were at that. I was at that. Yes, you saw oh, the video. Right? Yeah, was, you posted I the, video. the video. I was sitting on the opposite side of the theater from the guy who took that video. Um, oh, lovely. It was more special in person. You should have been there. 
I've, I've got a selfie with Fred Fraggle, so... That's true. You you that, you that are the one who has all the cool selfies with Muppets, and I, I am not. So, with that... Boy, what would you like to talk about first? We've just got so... I mean, I already started on the California trip, so I think that's really where we should continue. Because you, too, have been to Disneyland, correct? I have been to Disneyland... How many times? Three times. Is that the same number of times you've been to the United States? No. Okay. I've been to the United States four times. Okay, so three out of four, you got Disneyland. That's not bad. Yes. That's no, expensive, that's, but it's not bad. It's um, and, and it's now a, just a rule in my mind that every time I go to America, I have to go to Disneyland. Are you ever going to see Disney World? I would like to, but that's super expensive. Really? I, did a I feel like the ticket cost- prices are fairly similar. Well, yeah, but it also costs a hell of a lot more to fly from Melbourne to Florida, Orlando, than it does to fly from Melbourne to LA. Oh. So I looked because I'm potentially going to go to Disneyland next year with a friend of mine. She wants to go. Okay. So I'm going to sort of do an America trip I want to do at the end of next year. Um, so I did like just a rough cost and f- to get for like, you know, let's just say five days at Disneyland with accommodation and flights at least there it was something like two and a half grand Mm -hmm. so not too bad to do florida is like upwards of four and a half when you add in the um when you add in the extra flights there's also the fact that with disneyland you've only got the two parks so right you're only paying for two tickets whereas with disney world it's just too many parks Too many parks, which is a shame because, like, they've never known what to do with Epcot anyway. Like, come on, make it easier. Just merge it in with one of the other parks that's not totally functional and make it it three. Make it easy for us. So that was the first time you've been to Disneyland, correct? Yes, I've been to Disney World before, and the only other Disney place I'd been to besides that was the uh, Aulani Resort in Hawaii. I I did Disney World in 2008... Alani five years later in 2013, and then finally Disneyland five years later in 2018. So I've got a good rhythm okay. going. Um, yeah, you've done well. But it's but, it's it's not as often as I'd like because I could practically live in a Disney park at this point. I'm so addicted after three days after, in the California Disney property. So let me ask you then, because I know we I think we're going to do this a little later on. I'm not sure anyway. But let's uh, let's take an old uh, I guess you call it. Well, let's talk Muppets, I guess, segment it started in. Mm-hmm. Let's give, at Disneyland, uh, your toast and a roast. Ooh! Wow, Disneyland, a toast and a roast. And we want to... Yeah. So are we including California Adventure? No, we're only going Disneyland. Just Disneyland. Yeah, oh, oh, sorry, no, sorry, yes, the entire resort. The in- Okay, the entire resort. All right. Oh, yes. boy, this is tricky. It can be rides, it can be an experience you had, it can be a meal, it can be anything. Right. So you proposed this, so I imagine you had something in mind yourself. Um, I mean, I could give, I could sit here and just do a whole podcast on giving it toasts. Um, right, exactly, because it's so brilliant. But now I need to pick my absolute favorite thing. Right. What impressed me generally was mm-hmm. the way that it was organized, because the big thing that sets, there are many things, I guess, that set Disney apart from all uh amusement parks before it and most amusement parks i think that have come since um but the first thing that really strikes me is is not just the fact that it's a theme park made by movie people which is significant in and of itself the fact that it's film people doing it but the fact that that gets 
all of that creative energy that all these film people bring and all of their knowledge about design and how to work with people's feelings gets oriented towards uh, creating a space where you just want to be. So yep. when I went to Disney, I didn't initially, when I was going in, before I had seen either park, I didn't appreciate California Adventure very much just because I don't mm -hmm. understand California Adventure and I don't think the Disney company does either. It's not really mm -hmm. clear what that park is supposed to be. So I, 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 yep. I struggle to see its value. It didn't have the heart and soul of Walt Disney there, which is what you feel when you're in Disneyland. When you're in Disneyland, yep. you just feel Walt's heart beating in that place. Correct. Everywhere. Like, you just see all of his favorite things and everything he cares about the most everywhere in that park. And it's amazing and, and it's, it's like, it's almost an intimate experience. And you also yeah. have a park that's been very well organized and well thought through and all of the theming is perfect. Then you get California Adventure where the theming just doesn't make sense. It's a California park in California. Also, apparently, California has enough bugs that, sure, do bugs land. I guess that's allowed. There are, in fact, bugs in California. I'm not sure why well, yeah, you but would now make that a bugs land is disappearing, is it not? It is disappearing and it is being replaced with a superhero area because I guess there yeah. are superhero movies made in California. It's always stretching. Like, in order to do anything interesting with the California theming, they have to stretch it as much as they possibly can, which is very frustrating. So I thought... Well, that's it. They've sort of... they've Well, they've taken what really doesn't fit in the Disney brand right. and chucked it into California Adventure. That's why you had... Uh, Muppet Vision was there. You've got Pixar Pier now because that's not a, you know, for lack of a better term, I feel like if you put Pixar, anything Pixar into Disneyland, you're going to get people cracking it saying, well, that's not a Disney property, even though it technically is. Right. Um, see, you would think that. You would think that. But at this point, yes. see, I happen to be going during the Pixar Fest. Um, right. because yep. they were celebrating the opening of Pixar Pier. So it was just Pixar yep. stuff everywhere. So when I was in Disneyland, the one parade they had in Disneyland was the Pixar Play Parade, yep. which is a perfectly fine parade, but it's just all Pixar. The whole thing is just yep. Pixar. And then after that, for the fireworks, you don't get a break from Pixar because it's the Pixar fireworks. The whole okay. fireworks show is Pixar focused entirely. Yep. Like you're on Main Street and when Coco showed... Or, yeah, when footage from the movie Coco shows up on the castle projected on there yep. and they've got the fireworks going overhead for that. If you look next to you on top of the buildings on Main Street, all of the skeletons from the other side have popped up above okay. you. Okay. So, like, they, in certain specific ways, in very controlled ways, really got into the Pixar theming in Disneyland. And it was, yep. it was frustrating because I felt like I couldn't escape the Pixar. My, see... I don't know if you know this, Jared. I'm honestly a little bit embarrassed about it because I know it could get me like killed. But I'm not that big of a Pixar fan. I'm really not. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave now. Bye. Okay. Yeah. See, I know that's the effect that that has on everyone. I can't tell anyone. Like, there are certain Pixar films that I really, really like. I'm a very big fan of Inside Out. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm just not one of those people who swears by the brand as a whole. I think that. Um, anyway, I'll get into my issues with Pixar some other time. It's worth me explaining in a way that's actually thought through so I don't just start sounding stupid in front of everyone and then getting all these mean and nasty comments. But yeah, I, I was glad to see Fantasmic because then finally it was a little bit of a rest from all the Pixar stuff and more of a focus on Mickey and the things that you want to see in Disneyland. Like, yeah. when, when you're in 
Disney, at least from where I stand, particularly in Disneyland, you want to see fireworks that feel like the Disneyland fireworks and that have the voice of Mickey Mouse or Jiminy Cricket talking to you. That's what you want. Right. You want to hear when you wish upon a star when those fireworks are going over the castle. And I didn't yep. get that moment, which okay. gets me PO'd. During the parade, I didn't get to see that Cinderella thing going down the street. You know, like, yeah. there are certain moments, certain beats that your story in Disneyland is supposed to hit. And I feel like that's mm -hmm. normally what Disney excels at, making sure that your experience in Disney feels like you've had a story to tell. And yep. they know how to control it such that you hit certain key story beats that you want. It's very smart, mm -hmm. but the Pixar Fest, I think, made things get a little bit out of control because some of those beats I just didn't get to hit. I, I'll say that that's my main roast, actually, is too much Pixar dominance <laughs> in uh, the Disneyland during the Pixar Fest. I get it, it's Pixar Fest, they're supposed to have some, and since they can't just suddenly build attractions in Disneyland around it, they'll have to do some shows and parades and things that are Pixar-focused, fine. But give me my freaking fireworks, dang it. Give me Disneyland fireworks that feel like Disney fireworks, not the Coco fireworks. Yeah, um, that's, that's, a, that's, a, I think that's a fair roast. Alright, now give it your toast. The toast. So... I think what I'm in, what I'm inclined to toast is oh there are so many different things. It, it's hard to do because there were a lot of attractions that I got really into. Some attractions that I did multiple times in spite of the yep. lines. Like this was my first yep. time ever at either park going on Haunted Mansion, and so I okay. did I did that twice because I was in love with that ride. That was yep. beautifully done. Um, yep. Just barrels of fun and even though I've obviously seen videos as a Disney Parks fan on how a lot of these effects are done and I'm sure I've read a bit about how these effects are done I know a thing or two about Pepper's Ghost I was still just like my jaw on the floor like what am I even seeing this is amazing it, yeah. it's just so impressive it's brilliantly done um, okay so, but, so that's gonna be your toast no not quite um <laughs> Not quite. Like we, we we can't talk about Disneyland without me getting some of this without me having some geeking out here. I, I so I did that twice. I did the Enchanted Tiki Room twice because it's a good way to get away from the crowds. Um mm -hmm. I think I did It's a Small World twice just so I could take note of oh, all the details. I no. I was taking video the first time the whole way through so I didn't really get to notice much. So the t second time I wanted to look at the details. The song does get old after a while, sure, I get it. I understand why people hate it. It's a very hateable attraction. I, I went, well, I've only gone on that once. Mm -hmm. I went with um, young Mr. Ryan Dozier. I've heard of him. Uh, yeah, you've heard of him. He, uh, he started a website. Uh, he he runs Disney now, is that correct? Yeah, he runs Disney. And now he, uh, well, he runs their Twitter accounts. Um, I went with him mm -hmm. and his darling partner, Sarah. Mm-hmm. Cause she loves it. Mm -hmm. I we went around. It takes however long, ten minutes to yeah, go through years. the whole thing. And we got out, and Ryan looked at me and said, "What did you think?" And I said, "Ryan, if there is a personal hell of mine, it would be staying on that ride for the rest of my life." <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, there are there are some problems with it's a small world. Definitely, um, there are it's just. It's just repetitive. Like, I don't, like, yes, very nicely themed, and I like the little, you know, in the cowboy, sort of the western section, you know, if you look, you've got, like, a couple of dolls dressed as, um, 
Woody and Jesse from Toy Story, and that was all fantastic, like, you know, fine little things. But that freaking song... Uh-huh. No, you don't get to sing it. That's it. Now this podcast is ruined because there are some people who, if they even think they're going to hear that song in any podcast, video, anything, they just stop. Because it's, uh, well, that's why The Lion King has that one scene with Zazu and, and Scar. No, anything but that song. Yeah. Um, which I actually spoofed a little bit in the uh, last episode of this podcast. But yeah, I get it. It's it's a, it's in many respects a pretty annoying, unbearable song. I'm just so used to that song because I've known it yep. my whole life. Like, it just doesn't phase me. Um, and I liked hearing the different variations on it as, as it went by. But I was mostly looking at the building, the show building. Like, right. how there are whole areas where it's clearly just a building with a big black wall and yep. some lights stuck on it. And it's like, it doesn't look pretty. Many parts of the small world building don't look pretty at all. If you really look at the ceiling... Like, it's not a, an attractive building, and there's a lot no, that's, it's not. that looks kind of unfinished that you can just see there. But what's amazing is how you just don't notice it. Your eyes just aren't focused on that. They're focused on all of the detail everywhere else. And it's such a huge spectacle all around you that it's, like, really, really engaging and cool. Um yeah, it's long. Right. It's it's grating, All but right. it, it was interesting. So I did so, uh, I did Star Tours a couple of times because that's just a, a brilliant queue and a bit brilliant ride. Yep. Um, yep. I wanted to do Pirates twice because I loved Pirates, but the line I do was love crazy. Pirates. The line was insane. Um, See, I was super lucky when I went in 2014. We went in what is known as the quietest week of the year. Nice. And because we stayed at the park and we were there for literally five, we had a five day. Um, park hopper ticket. Nice. We sort of didn't we, we didn't worry too much about the line so if something was an hour we're like yep not a problem if it would be different if we were there for a day or two mm -hmm. but we had five days. Yeah. Um, but we had mornings where for probably the first three hours we mm -hmm. could just walk onto rides. Yeah. And Pirates was one of them. We went through Pirates. We got back and there was no one in line waiting. And they said to us do you want to go again? We went yeah right not a problem. So we went twice because there just wasn't anyone in that line. But um, but then we would have, you know, later on in the day when people started coming in, you would have, you know, a decent wait. But in that whole five days, I think the longest we waited for any ride was maybe 45 minutes, and that was for Radiator Springs and California Adventure, and only because that had only been around for about five months at the time. Right. Yeah. But so it, that was... Yeah, so I so I've sort of been lucky in that the few times I've been to Disneyland, I haven't had shocking lines. Hmm. So that never stopped me from doing anything. So you saying you didn't get to do it because the line was so long? I'm fortunate that I've never really had that experience. I, I did do it. I did ride pirates. It's just I only did yeah, it but once. you didn't get to I do it again. I, I yeah. couldn't do it twice. Um, so that's to say I love a lot of these rides and attractions, uh, particularly yep. Pirates, Star Tours, um, and, and the Haunted Mansion. Uh, but yep. what I think impressed me the most is the way that the place is organized, the way that they take this space and tailor it exactly to the needs of the people, to what's going to make the place uh, the most functional and what's going to make you the most immersed in the experience. So, yep. like, Steve and I were walking around trying to figure out how in the world they got the sound design just so that yep. 
you would walk around a corner and all the music that you had been hearing through the speakers has just been faded out and so seamlessly replaced with different sounds. Yes, absolutely. It was perfect. Like, you'd, you'd be walking down Main Street, you're just hearing the regular Main Street music, and then you hear a little bit of a piano. You turn to your left, and you see the piano player playing at the little Coca-Cola shop. So you walk over to yes. him, and as you walk past that light post, the sound is gone. The yep. sound of the Main Street music is completely gone, and you just hear that beautiful piano sound. How they do that, I have no idea. Those have to no, be the most directional, the most directional speakers in the world. They're brilliant. They're perfect. Um, and then for the fireworks, like yep, it that could have been chaos. In many respects, it kind of was because it was a million people crammed into a little strip of Main Street, USA. Yep. But in any other park, that many people crowded into that space. It would have been horrible. It would have been unbearable. As soon as the fireworks were done or whatever it was everyone was standing there for, in, in any non-Disney park, once everyone broke, they would just be scattering in every which way. It, you would not be able to walk. You would just be hitting people right away. There would be no movement. It would be nuts. You, it would, you'd be asking, yeah. is that my elbow or yours? It would be crazy. Yeah. In Disneyland, they organize it beautifully so that if you've got somewhere you need to be right after the fireworks, and I did because I was trying to get to my spot for Fantasmic, you, they just send you there. They put you on their little one-way street. It sends you around. You just keep following the crowd and going where they tell you to go. You just get there. Yeah. You just keep moving. They know how to keep the crowd moving and make the logistics work. It's amazing. And that is my toast. Okay, and your roast? I think I gave my roast. It was the over-Pixarization of Disneyland. Oh, that's right, you did. Getting right. in the way of, okay. of the classic Walt stuff. Yep, alright. So I guess now it's my turn. Yes. Alright. I'm gonna give a toast to... I'm gonna pick a ride. Okay. I'm gonna give a toast to Big Thunder Mountain. Okay. For my money, the best ride i've ever been on really yes just the not the best roller coaster i've ever been on i think honestly i would give that to what is now the Incredicoaster, but um california screaming mm -hmm. um no i would give it to big thunder mountain just because of how immersive it is how well done it is i'm assuming you went on it uh i did not because i don't do roller coasters you don't do roller oh man i can't I just can't handle it. This is this is why I don't like you. I see. Um, but I really thought we, there were so many more reasons than that. Oh, there's a ton, but that's like number three on the list of okay. 100. Um, number two is your beard. Um, True. It's a really well done ride. Like you, when you're sort of inside the mountain, for lack of a better term, just the light projections and the explosions that go on around you. It's worth going on, JD, to... YouTube and just watching one of the point of view videos, one of the um, right. on ride videos, because just to see how well made it is. Yeah. Um, now this is for you or whoever else is ever going to go on it. Always go to the back. Try not to get the front. The back's always better. Um, when you go down the roller coaster on every other roller coaster, the second the first um, car sort of goes down the dip. It just speeds off. Whereas Big Thunder Mountain, for some reason, tends to wait until the last car is at the dip, and then mm. it goes fast. So mm. if you're on the front of Big Thunder Mountain, you're halfway down the hill before you actually start going fast. Right. Uh, so that's just a little tip. But I am going to give uh, my toast to that. I'm also going to give the toast to the food 
because I've never eaten anything in Disneyland I didn't like. Uh, the Monte do you get Carlo, to, I think do you get to Monte do, Cristo. Do you get to do two co- uh, yeah, two toasts? Yes, I do. Okay. Because it was my idea to do this. Um, that was also, I think, Steve's meal of, of preference. He, he, he enjoyed yes, that, too. Monte, Monte Cristo? I, I, I honestly Cristo. don't know what it's called. I think it's something like that. It's just a deep-fried turkey sandwich yeah. in, like, sweet donut batter. Yeah. And it's... I, it was a heart attack in, uh, on a plate, and it was delicious. <laughs> Honestly, um, now, I gotta be honest with you. That was too much for me. The sugar, I couldn't handle it. It was oh. too sweet. I, I was like, I very, I had half a sandwich, and then I'm like, I tap out. I'm just gonna eat the grapes. Uh, yeah, I don't even know that I finished it, but it was delicious. The, uh, that was, and um, that was young Mister Ryan Dojo who put me onto that. And Steve's the one who who insisted my meal there. Um, basically, anyone who knows the parks knows to go to that restaurant. Um, yeah. And did you get the the garlic cheese fries? Yes, we did. They were so good. They did. Now this was nearly four years ago, so right. I've forgotten that. But yeah, that was delicious. All right, and now my roast. Okay. Which is a bit harder mm-hmm. because nothing comes to mind straight away, which I find bizarre. I know. Um, I would have. To say, I started that sentence without knowing how it was going to end, and I thought that might help me, and it didn't. <laughs> well, if, if you want, I can give you some more time. We can move on to another topic and come back to no, it. No, look, I've, I've got it. I've got it. Ooh. And now this is going to sort of tie into, well, the fact that we're on a Muppet podcast. Mm-hmm. The fact that, that there is such a little, um, so few Muppet things in that park. Right! Yes! So... Now, what's really interesting is when I went in 2014, mm-hmm. literally while I was on the plane flying from, uh, at that point, Brisbane to Los Angeles, LAX airport, they announced that Muppet Vision was closing that day. No freaking way. I heard that that I happened missed, to someone, but I didn't I know what happened to you. I missed Muppet Vision by literally 12 hours. Yeah. Now, I have seen it. I saw it in 2010, the very first time I went to Disneyland, but I missed it by 12 hours. And that was going to be, like, the very first thing, because that was also going to be when I met Ryan Dojo, actually, in person for the first time. Mm -hmm. And we went, you know, we'd have a lovely day at Disneyland, which we did have, but we were going to go straight and do Muppet Vision first. And there's a lovely photo he and I took of us looking devastated outside the sign because all the signage was obviously <laughs> still up because it had been 12 freaking hours. Um, but also just the lack of merchandise. Like, there was a little bit. I have a shirt that I've got. I've got a Fozzie doll um, that's, uh, well, now you've seen, JD. Yeah. Um, but that's pretty much all there was. And last time I went, which was 2015, there was nothing. Okay. So yeah. I don't know if that's different. I think there might be a little bit of um, Muppet Baby stuff there now, from what I've seen online. But even then, there's just put the Muppets. Just put a little bit of merch in there. Yeah, they've they've got to. And let me tell you this: I think that in like a Disney store, maybe in the shopping area, the downtown Disney area, they might have some Muppet Babies plush because most Disney stores are carrying a lot of Muppet Babies stuff right now. But yep. when we were in the parks, Steve yep. and I. Literally found one single piece of Muppet merchandise. Yep. Only one. Yep. And it's a tiny Kermit the Frog keychain. A freaking keychain! Do you know what? I think I saw the same thing in Disneyland Paris when I was there last year. Just 
freaking shoot me! Oh my! I, by, by the way, to be clear, the freaking shoot me was because you've also been to Disneyland Paris, so now I hate you. Yeah. Oh well. my gosh! I'm so mother frogging jealous about that. But well, I mean, I could I could give that thing more. Like, you want some roasts about Disneyland Paris, mate? We could be here all day. After the show, we are discussing this. <laughs> after the okay, show, great. that is a conversation that we will have. But for now, I think you're going to like this, Jared. This might pick you up and lift your spirits a little bit. I finally watched one of your favorite films, Wreck-It Ralph. I just watched it today <gasps> for my first time. And? It's fine. All right, bye. I <laughs> I like it. I do like it. It's 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 clever. No, you it's said just, it's, it's fine. It's, it's what I thought it would be, though. That's the thing, is that I knew I was going to like it, and I did. And it didn't Do really exceed think... my expectations. My expectations were high enough. They were my expectations right, so, were that it would be a good movie, but it didn't necessarily wonder, exceed those. I wonder if that was part of the issue. No, my, I, I mean my these much? are my expectations from when I first saw the trailers before it was coming out in the theater. Those were high, is what I mean. Uh, okay, so I so because I've had the issue before where I have talked something up, shown it to a friend, and they haven't liked it at all because their expectations were too high. And that has happened to me. Um, the very first Guardians of the Galaxy film, I was told by my best friend, who I trust in his film opinion, he said it was one of the best films he's ever seen. Yeah, you told I me went this, and saw I think, it. right? Yeah, I went and saw it. I walked out and went, eh. Like, I was waiting for it to get good. I've since watched it now with my expectations not as high, and I now think it's fantastic, and I can see what he thought in it when he first saw it. So, so with, with me, I, think- I went into it not trusting your opinion, to be perfectly honest. I went into it okay. thinking that you were exaggerating. Um, because right, and that's probably a good way to go into it. Yeah. I, I, I think, like, for the first half, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I expected from the trailer. It's good, but it's not the greatest thing in the world. And it's not even, like... I was trying to see, would this even make my top 75 favorite movies? And I'm not entirely sure that it could, based on, uh, the, certainly based on that first half, where it's like, yeah, I get yes. the gist, I know what you're doing here, I've seen other movies that are kind of similar to this, I got it, let's yeah, move but, along. But you and I had a whole conversation for half an hour before we even started recording this thing about why you love Labyrinth so much. So, True. you'll forgive me if I don't completely trust your opinion. True. That's fine. We do have different tastes. That's for sure. We do. Um, it's I, I. At the very least, I think we can both agree on the Dark Crystal. Um, how it's something that we both respect plenty, but can't totally enjoy like story wise. Like I, right. I'm more, so, ch- I'm far more charitable to the Dark Crystal than Steve is. Steve is just he cannot stand the Dark Crystal, whereas I do consider that somewhere among my favorite films. Not top fifty or anything, but somewhere. Yep. Okay. So tell me then with Wreck-It Ralph, mm-hmm. can you at least see where I'm coming from in why I like it so much? Actually, can you give your reasons? Because I can imagine some reasons, but give yours. I like the relationship between um, Ralph and Vanellope. Yeah. I think that dynamic is just that really... And I wonder if it as well is because that film came out right when I had my... When I became an uncle for the first time. Ah. Uh. And so there was a moment, like, there's a very, um, right at the very end of that film, there's a moment, I think it might even be the last line of the film, is when Ralph says, if this girl loves me, how bad can I be? 
And I remember thinking that line, because I had like a little niece at that point who was only, what, that film came out in 2012. She would have been maybe 18 months old. And so I probably had that feeling of, you know, bonding with a you know little human who just loves you more than anything. And so I wonder if that was probably maybe part of it. But I really liked the relationship between them. I liked the humour of the film. I loved the visuals of the film. I think um, King Candy is a great villain. Spoiler alert. Oh, and mate, for a film that came out six years ago, I think we're allowed to um we're allowed to put spoilers in. No, I'm a censor that one. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, I mean, I was about to give another spoiler, if I may. Fine, go for it. Having just watched it, can you pinpoint the part where I uh, where I cried? Um, I mean, I didn't start getting kind of teary up until that very end with that line that you mentioned. Um, yeah. that last line in the movie, that's the only part where it kind of broke me. And even then it was only kind of, cause I don't normally cry during films. Um, yeah. uh, so the part, oh, that's tricky. I can't tell. I can't guess it. Would, I really can't. Would you like me to tell you? Go ahead. About three quarters of the way through the film. Mm-hmm. After Ralph has spoken to King Candy. Mm-hmm. And he picks up Vanellope, puts her in a tree, and then smashes her cart. I thought it might be there. Yeah. It's... And she is just beside herself and looks at him and says, um, you really are a bad guy, and then runs off. And it was just the way Sarah Silverman delivered that line and the way they animated that. It was just the whole thing. That's probably my favorite scene in the film. It's weird because that's the part that I really didn't care for. Um, because it felt very cliche, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we gotta do this scene, okay, sure, whatever. Like, a lot of the scenes that, uh, maybe this is why I have some issues with Pixar, is that a lot of the sentimental scenes in films, that for other people get them crying, I'm just like, oh, we gotta do this scene again. All right. All right, well, sure, I mean, let people get, the- let the wimps get their tears out, why not? I guess they've never seen a oh. movie before, so they can't sit through well, it without crying, whatever. That's just rude. Um, all right, well, we'll like, I, maybe I, I'll I, that quickly, I, and he- we will... I, uh, let me go. say this about, about Wreck-It Ralph. There is a lot to like about it. I think it's very, very smart in the way that it sets up these uh, vid- different games and their different rules so that in it's clear that they're doing some amount of parodying of games that you know, but they can also exist yep. in the same world as games that you know, and it doesn't feel too inconsistent. Like, no- normally, if you're going to do a parody, you don't let the thing you're parodying exist in that same universe or else it just gets confusing. Like... I, it's hard but for me I to think of But I don't know that they good... were parodying right. it. They were like, honoring it. That's not the word I'm after. It was tribute to some extent, you know. Yeah. To some extent, yeah, in some cases. I mean, Hero's Duty was definitely supposed to be a Call of Duty-like thing. Oh, um, absolutely. And I mean, Ralph himself but... is just basically Donkey Kong. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and, and that... Yeah, that didn't bother me at all. I thought that that was really interesting. The way that it set up these characters and their worlds was interesting. It was a little bit frustrating to me having so many worlds with so many rules and so many characters with different backstories that I felt like I was just constantly getting exposition heaped on me. Like, whenever I thought I was done with exposition, no, there's more exposition because, you see, there's the code. Or because, you see, she has a backstory. Because, you see, and it's like, okay, look... I get it. You've got the world of the uh, Fix-It Felix Jr. game, the world of the shooter game, uh, Hero's Duty, the world of the Sugar Rush game, and then you've got the world that ties them all together with the whole mm, game central station thing. That's 
fine, but it's just like a lot because you need me to understand the terms of all of these things, even though in some cases <laughs> all this exposition really isn't moving me through the story. And I'm sick and tired of these movies that start off with the character talking about how much their lives suck. Like, I'm just done with characters that, with, with these movies where the characters are explaining their lives, at least when you can do it better, when you can just show us basically just about everything that Ralph explains at the beginning of the film when he's in that meeting, I could pretty much figure out from just watching the gameplay. Like, I understand the predicament that he's in and the issue that he's having pretty much from the get-go. I don't need that much talking about it. And then I, 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 because I, in college I was a philosophy minor because I'm a nerd, and so I, one of my sort of pet philosophies is the study of free will and determinism. So, to see a film that's about how you are coded to be this guy, you are programmed to be this guy, um, so then you have to do it, it's like, ooh, this could get into some interesting uh, philosophical ideas there. It didn't really get into that as much as I wanted to. Um, and I think okay, that there's a way there's, a, there's a way to do that without making it too cerebral that it's boring for the kids. There's a way to do it that's still entertaining, I think. It also yeah. is another one of those great stories in which, you know, with how much we talk about um, destiny and, you know, how we celebrate the hero because it's their destiny to save the day. Well, what if you were the unfortunate schmuck who was destined to be the villain? That's a very interesting idea. Um, but... I'm not sure that the movie ever really clarified the extent to which uh, Ralph had to stick to his programming, uh, because by the end, Vanellope's just kind of like, well, sure, that's what the code says, but I do what I want. And it's like, well, okay, then what's the coding worth anyway? I, I'm not sure I totally understand the resolution of the film, because he he kind of just gets to a point where, like, he's, how do I want to put this? Basically, all that was required to resolve the film was for the characters in the Wreck-It Ralph Jr. game to realize that they actually need a villain in order for their game to be interesting. That was really all that was required to complete his arc, because then they would have celebrated him again, because he keeps them from being out of order and stuff. Um, but I think but, he has to go through and learn that he's not defined by that one definition that he's been his whole life. That's true. And even if, if, if the, you know, they could have turned around and said, oh, you know, Ralph, we think you're great now. He wouldn't have had that character growth that he needed to be able to be friends with these guys. Because I'm, he's gone through, I think that game's been around for 30 years or something in the, um, like, in the world of the film. Yeah. Um, he's had 30 years of this. So he needs to meet Penelope and needs to be told as, like... Like I said, you know, if that little girl liked him, how bad can I be? He needs to have that lesson taught to him before he can fully come to terms with who he is. So I don't know that it's as simple as all they need is the arc, uh, to complete the arc is for those guys to be nice to him. Because it's not about the journey, uh, what is it? It's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Right, and that's and the I thing, is that, that I, I, film, I feel like there was some slight disconnect between the journey and the destination, that it could have okay. been any number of different journeys. Why was it this specific one? Um, some things just felt a little bit arbitrary to me in this film. Um, and that's fair. But I'll grant this. That film's third act twist um, with the reveal regarding King Candy, Yep. that was one of the most frustrating things that's ever happened to me when watching a film. Because Why? 
I only solved it three seconds before they revealed it. And I was oh, tricking really? myself. See I, see, I got that. Like, they get they drop a huge hint, like, well before that happens. Yes, they do! When you see Turbo, and he says, um, Turbo-tastic, and it's clearly the same voice. It's just Alan Tudyk doing that same King Candy voice. And as I, soon as I heard that, I'm like, oh, they're going to be, like, somehow related. And then I thought to myself, oh, oh, he's gone turbo because he left a game. He's gone to a different game. I didn't think he had changed everything to, you know, basically wipe all their memories. But I saw it coming that they were going to be the same person. See, I, I don't really know that voice actor well. Alan Tudyk, he's not a voice, he's an actor. He's been in a hundred things. He's worked with Frank Oz a couple of times. He's been in Star Wars. He was in Firefly. He was in Death at a Funeral. Well, now I feel uh, dumb. All right, let's take a look here. You'd know if you saw him. And now he's sort of, the thing is, he's now almost like John Rassenberger is to Pixar, is what he is to Disney. So he's been in Moana. He was in Wreck-It Ralph. He was in the new Wreck-It Ralph. He was in Frozen. He was in Zootopia. Okay, yeah, I think I vaguely recognize him. Yeah. I just He's done a lot. I just don't know his work well at all. Um Okay. So yeah, I like I just didn't pick up that it was the same voice. I couldn't tell that it was the same voice at all. If I had picked I feel up like on if any if you went back if you went back and rewatched it now, you would hundred percent recognize it. I feel like if I had noticed any vocal similarity then I probably would have figured it out. But as it was, it took me a while, and I was really mad. It's because as a screenwriter who knows the moves that a, a typical Hollywood screenplay has to make, I feel like I should be able to see that thing coming, and I normally do see those things coming. Like, it's very difficult for Disney to pull another secret villain on me, even though that's kind of their go-to thing right now, is the revealed villain. Yeah. But, yeah, there were certainly benefits to this villain. It was a very interesting villain. There are lots of interesting elements to the film. I do like it. I do think it's cool. I do think it's fun. Um, it's just if I have to choose between this and, say, um, I don't know, the Lego movie, I'd probably go with the Lego movie because I think that one's working through some more interesting things. Okay, that's fair. I don't know. I'm, a st anyway. I'm an intellectual type. I, I get into that stuff. Um, anyway, this isn't the Wreck-It Ralph podcast. We true. should probably move on because we've been talking for about 40 minutes and I, don't think we've, I think we've talked about Muppets for about two minutes of it have we been talking that i can cut some of that out um i I, I will say i have for those of you playing along at home some of you may know that i've been working on a video essay on the film labyrinth and that's sort of what's been taking up all my time this summer and all my creative energy and why i haven't been doing a lot more podcasts um and so that's sort of where i've been able to take my more intellectual readings of films the way that I like to critique films and direct it all towards one movie and it's been fascinating it's been a really interesting experience and what I realized while I was working on this because part of the essay is comparing Labyrinth to the Dark Crystal um, and actually making the argument that uh, Labyrinth can be understood as a uh, criticism of or rebuttal to the Dark Crystal um, almost an attack on the Dark Crystal in a way it's a total turnaround if you think about it. I'll explain it later in the video essay, which is coming soon, I hope. Um, but as I was thinking about the Dark Crystal, I realized that the way we think about the Dark Crystal is, is probably uh, also wrong. For those of you who aren't very familiar with this show, Steve and Jared and I kind of crack jokes about the Dark Crystal a lot. It's, it's the butt of many of our jokes because it's a little bit... How do I put this nicely? Crappy. Yeah. 
Um, it's it's pretty boring. It's a snooze. It's it's hard to sit through the Dark Crystal. Um, now, Jared, why why do you think the Dark Crystal struggles as a movie? Just briefly, if you had to sum it up, what do you think is the problem with the Dark Crystal? I don't find the storyline remotely interesting. I think Jen and Kira are boring characters. I think the film really the only thing it's got going for it. Yes, visually stunning. I think a very well made film. Um, but. Jen and Kira are boring. The Skeksis are probably the only storyline part I enjoy, but I mean, what a snooze fest. Yeah. So the general view of The Dark Crystal, from what I can tell, is that it's very well made. It's a well-executed film. It's just the idea for the story at the heart of the film that's being executed sucks. And yeah. it occurred to me, actually, The Dark Crystal has a perfectly fine story, but the execution of it is terrible. Mm-hmm. And when I thought about that, it just, it, it blew my mind because it never occurred to me that that could be the case. But I realized this story has a lot of the things that you need in a movie for a movie to work really well and has a lot of interesting turns. I mean, yep. you know, that, that moment yeah. when the Skeksis appears um, to Jen and Kira and tries to actually befriend them and help them. That's an interesting movement in the story. When Augur gets taken by accident, that's an interesting move in the story. You've got you've got three sons as a ticking clock. That helps make the story better. Uh, so there's a lot going on here that I think suggests that if you told it the right way, this would be an interesting story. But what we have is a film that through its visuals, through its music, through just about everything the way it's produced, says you're not really supposed to get caught up in the story because the camera is moving slowly and everything is edited slowly and you've got those you know sweeping movements through the scenery and all the music the whole time is very very pretty the music's never you know it's not moving the way that the music in labyrinth is moving to say we're running we're moving we've got a place to go and we got to get there no, the music tells you it's pretty, you're going to watch the film like you would a piece of art because it's pretty, sit back, and we're just going to hang here for a while. That's what the music's saying, that's what the visuals are saying, that's what the editing is saying, everything, is, and definitely the puppets. We praise the puppets as being the greatest things in the world, but honestly, half of the problem with Jen as a character is that his face never freaking changes. He's always got that yes. same dumb facial expression on, and we can't go around saying the visuals in The Dark Crystal are amazing and the puppets are beautiful if the puppets don't freaking work and the visuals <laughs> don't actually contribute at all to the story. And that's the problem with the Jen and Kira puppets. They're not expressive. If you had pulled those out and stuck fraggles in there, in their places, but kept the voice tracks the same, not changed anything else, just had expressive fraggle faces instead, those characters would be two or three times as good as they are, because then you could actually understand what they're thinking and feeling and care about them. That 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 was passionate. I've got a lot of passion tonight. I've got a lot, uh, you know, I've had some things I've been wanting to say, and that's one of them. So down with Gelflings, up with Fraggles. Yeah, hoorah, JD Hansel 2020. Jared, are you still there? Oh. I am. I just, I, I figured that that was probably a good place to end it. Oh, to end the whole show? No, just to end your rant. Oh, yeah. Let's end the rant. Let's end the rant. And you know what? At this point, let's just go to commercial. We've had our fun. I'm exhausted. We'll see you right back it. after this commercial break.
Hello, I'm Thomas. Hello, I'm Ethan. And we're Thomas and Ethan of Thomas and Ethan's Accents of Different Countries. If you need an accent that sounds like another country, we can provide that accent. We can sound like lots of different foreign people. Don't believe us? Here's an Italian. Hi, I'm an Italian. They can sound like lots of different foreign people. Just kidding, that wasn't an Italian, it was Ethan. Italians are one of the accents we like to do. It's really fun. Is it fun? Let's confirm that. Here's a Mexican. Hi, I'm a Mexican. It's really fun. We got you again, didn't we? Some of the other accents we like to do include Germans. Hi, I'm a German. The Irish. Hi, I'm the Irish. South Koreans. Hi, I'm South Korean. North Koreans. Hi, I'm North Korean. Middle Koreans. Wait a minute, Ethan. Are you sure that's a country? No, I meant to say Singapore. That's a little different. Yes, it is. Here's Sam Eagle. Hi, I'm Sam Eagle. That's a little different. From all of us here at Macy's, I'm Thomas. And I'm Ethan. And we're Thomas and Ethan of Thomas and Ethan's Accents of Different Countries. Visit our website at www.com. Oh my gosh, a week with Steve. It's... I just needed a break after that. He's just, he's a lot to handle, and I'm so glad he's not here because I can finally get to talk about non-Muppet things without him, like, you know, cracking that whip and trying to get me in line and make me move on to the next thing. Like, he's just so controlling. He's, sometimes I worry that he might be one of the most toxic people in my life. That's that's good and all, but we're still doing this, and I have places to be, so if we can just continue on, that would be fantastic. All right, well... I just wanted to make sure all the listeners heard what I had to say about Steve. Now, anyway, I think that you actually had a... Uh, did you say you had a video you wanted to share with me, or was it no, something so else? What this did you is, find? This is an interesting situation. Um, I'm giving okay. this to you exclusively. Um, Ooh. Yeah, yeah, get excited, folks. This is... Uh, yeah, so, all right, I'm up at Hub Exclusive. All right, don't get too excited. When okay. I interviewed Elmo last year... Mm-hmm. Mike, last year, um, there was an issue where I went in, I recorded, and then for some reason, uh, Alicia Duran, the producer who was working the camera, uh, basically she pressed the wrong button and the video didn't work. We only got the audio of it. Uh, so I ended up having to go in the next day. Uh, they made me a time. I went in the next day and I re-recorded the interview. And I think that was probably for the best because, as you'll see in what you're about to hear, the second interview I think was definitely better. But the first interview we did, um, yeah, so I've got the audio of it and I thought rather than have it just sitting here, it might be worth actually... I feel like it's not worth releasing on the website because it's sort of... You'll see when you listen to it. Um, but I thought you guys might enjoy it. So, uh, without further ado, I guess, roll the clip. Hello, everybody. I'm Jared from Muppet Mindset. Very excited. Sitting here with my best buddy, Elmo. How are you, my friend? Hi, how are you? Elmo is so hammered. Oh, hey, Mr. Jared? Yes, uh, yes, buddy. Mr. Jared, Elmo has something very important to tell you. Yeah, Mr. Jared? Yes, yes. Mr. Jerry, be yes. quiet. Sir Elmo, can t- Sir Elmo can tell you something very important, okay? Great. Now, Elmo forgot what it was, so never mind. Okay, bring in the booze. Yeah, Marvin, Marvin, send him right over here. Yeah, there, there, there we go. Okay. No, Marvin, get out. Yeah, we just needed the booze. You can go. It's a private, exclusive interview with... With Mr. Jared from the Muppet Mindset, All right. okay? Sorry, Jared, go ahead. No, you're fine, buddy. Um, I guess we'll just keep, keep going. Okay. Um, look, Elmo, so you're here in Melbourne, um, obviously yes. talking about Sesame Street. Uh, you're doing a lot of stuff about kindness at the moment, which I think is really interesting. So tell me a little bit about kindness. Elmo, Elmo loves kindness, particularly with the ladies. 
Elmo Fine said if you're really nice to the ladies, then they're very much inclined to let Elmo hug them a lot, sometimes maybe a little bit more. And Elmo would just like to clarify yep. that Elmo is not gay. Elmo is not straight. Elmo is mildly but curious. Get that right, media. Mildly but curious. Okay, yeah. Kindness is nice. Elmo likes it. Okay, I I will make a note of that. Um, all right. Well, look, buddy, we 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 see your dad a lot uh, on Sesame Street. But where's your mum? Yeah. Where's your mother? Uh, she's in she's in Baltimore in Mondawmin. She works at John Hopkins. She almost never comes to Sesame Street after she and dad split. He, di- <coughs> he divorced you back in '95 after he caught her doing it with Mr. Johnson. Which was weird, because Dad's name for his wiener was Mr. Johnson, so to see like with the real Mr. Johnson was like, whoa. It was just too ironic. So they don't see each other anymore. Now, I only see my stepmom on Sesame Street. She's the only one who comes. Her name's Rhonda. She's real into embroidery. It's weird. Okay. She sounds like a nice person, I guess. It's kind of, you know. Okay, um... Get am I just on the alright. Um okay, so I uh, I put out um I put out a thing on Twitter, Elmo, and I uh, I asked if anyone had any questions for you. Um Yeah, alright. I got one from uh at Space Haribo. Uh she uh-huh. asks uh Elmo Uh-huh. uh-huh. Um Yep. Sorry buddy, I'm just let me just uh, stop uh-huh. stop touching me, please. I'm just uh-huh. off, off, off. Move. Uh-huh. Move. 30 centimeters, uh-huh. please. She and she she asks, um, Elmo, what's your best piece of life advice? Okay, so Elmo's got a strong opinion about this. Elmo wants everybody to win since we're teaching kindness. Since we're teaching kindness. Elmo wants everybody to everybody to remember that violence is not the answer. I think that's But a it bit- is an option. It is an option, and it's okay. the best option. It solves everything. Okay. Now, Elmo doesn't know how accessible guns are where you are, but here we got them at the freaking Walmart for a hundred bucks each. It's it's a real bang for you, buck. <laughs> so, yeah, so go, go sock it to him. Go Ravens! What the f*** is going on? Okay, um... All right, buddy. Look, look. Talking about kindness, is there maybe something we can do now that shows some kindness? Maybe is there something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, Elmo has something to share with you. Yeah, you. All right. We're gonna bring in the drugs. Here we go, Marvin. Bring Marvin. What? Bring over what? the drugs. What? No. Yep. Yeah, in comes no. the drugs. All right. Pure ecstasy. I'm not doing that shit. Do it. Um, no. Do it. Alicia, are you... Do it. No. Do it. Do it. Do <clears throat> it. Oh, for f- All right. You know what? If it's going to end this, I guess I'm just going to have uh-huh. to do this. I don't, I do really, it. Oh, all right. All right. All right. Mr. Alicia, 
All right, well, that was strange, but I guess uh, thank you for sharing, Jared. I, I just thought it How needed, kind of you. I thought it needed to be to be seen or heard, at least. It just... Dude's got a problem. Yeah. He was a lot... Yeah, I'm a little worried. He, I, look, he it's, it's hard being famous. You know what it's like in Hollywood? Right. You know, because you've been there like three times. And, so you know right. and so, California can do things to a man. And I mean, he was... The next day he was... Look, he was still buzzed out of his mind the next day but he was a lot more professional i think i think alicia had a yeah. talk to him i think when i sort of passed out uh -huh. i think that maybe shocked him a little bit and so huh. i don't think he wanted like a dead person on his hands so it's a lot better right. than, he was a lot better yeah. the next day yeah well because the video that you do have of your of your interview with with elmo that did get published on the mindset that's really good i love that thank you very much um i mean your bunny is just spot on my 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 bunny is very good. Yes, it is. He wasn't very impressed, no. but I was impressed. It's a pity. It's a pity. Now let's talk a little bit about some Muppet news. And to start things off, we're going to talk about our favorite thing to talk about on this podcast: the promos for Happy Time Murders. Because wow, I've been blown away. <laughs> blown away. Wow, I can't talk. Um, I've been I've been stunned by just how much promotion I'm seeing for Happy Time Murders, all the different things that they're doing. Like now I just turn on a TV and the TV channel that happens to be on happens to be playing a commercial right away. It happened just today when I turned the TV on, someone had set the volume for another setting on the TV mm -hmm. and immediately I just get blasted with that music. <laughs> um, yeah. And all those words that my younger siblings really aren't supposed to hear. So no. that's fun. See, I haven't it's, heard... Any, but we've had no ads for it. I mean, really? it's coming out next week. It's actually coming yeah. out here early than it's coming out in America. Um, really? We're getting it a day early. But, yeah, I've seen, I think I've seen one trailer for it in a cinema. And I've seen huh. no adverts for it. I mean, it might change as of tomorrow because then it's only a week away. But the promos for it, the ones that have been on YouTube, the ones that I actually posted about just yesterday... Um, uh -huh. they've been good. I've actually really enjoyed them. Yeah, I feel like it's, 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 for me, it's sort of been a mix. Some of them I'm kind of into, some of them I'm kind of not. <clears throat> the syrup PSA was at least interesting. Yep. Um, I didn't fully understand the you looking at me TV commercial very much. Um, but you know, what they've been doing with their Instagram account is, is really nice. Like, I, I'm kind of impressed. Their Instagram has... <laughs> I mean, they're making sure that you know when this movie is coming out and have some interest in the characters. And the nice thing about the promotion is they've found a way to remind you in every promo or almost every promo that this is a Melitha, <laughs> Melissa McCarthy movie and that's the selling point. But now that they've got their real trailers out with Melissa McCarthy, for all the promos, they can just let the puppeteers be funny. Exactly right. And I mean, Drew Massey, who's playing, I think his name's Goofa, he's the one who in the trailer's like, you know, for $10, I'll suck your dick. He's he's so good. He is great. I mean, he's been a fantastic puppeteer for years. He back on like Greg the Bunny and stuff like that was brilliant. Um, and I like the fact that they're letting him just be him. 
They're letting mm-hmm. him be funny. They're letting mm-hmm. the performers basically because well, I mean he a lot of those performers are the people who've been doing the puppet up shows, so they're all yeah. used to improv. So mm-hmm. I think they've made a wise decision just letting the performers do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I think these videos are working. Yeah, I think I said this before, but I'll say it again in case it didn't make it into one of the last shows. If this movie ends up being good, it will be because the performances are strong, because Absolutely. these puppeteers are amazing. And I'll tell you now, in the um, I don't know if you've seen that little sort of minute and a half short film uh, of Bill Burrell's character Phil on a date with a woman. I haven't gotten to that one. Yet, okay, actually. it's um I've only seen it because uh, a buddy of mine, Michael, sent me a link to it. So it's on the um it is in my uh, post with the promotions. Um, the puppetry that Bill's doing is phenomenal. It's some of I think huh. the best puppetry he's ever done. Really? Yes. Um, his just the way Phil Phillips sort of moves and the. Just the little tilts of the head and the way the hands work. It's just, it's a really fine bit of puppetry. Well, I can't wait to check it out. We'll uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. Now, if you want to talk about impressive puppetry, I heard through the grapevine that the Muppets took a little thing called the O2, and boy did they take it. Like, from what I hear, this show was just a smashing success. Smashing in, in the British sense as well as the... Usual sense. I'm sorry, that was really bad. My apologies. You didn't see the O2 show. I didn't see the O2 show. But there are videos up online, and from what I'm seeing, it was a delight. There are videos online. I uh, again, I'm going to plug my website, but I have a uh, a link to an article, I should say, with pretty much every video I could find of the segments, all sort of in rough order. Of, Which is so helpful, by the way. Thank you. That's okay. I uh, that was my that was my day. Basically, the day after the um, on the Sunday, I just sat there and I looked through YouTube and I kept refreshing. And there was one video I put on, literally, I think a minute and a half after it had been uploaded. Um, so, yeah, the show was fantastic. I actually think it might have been better than the Hollywood show, but I think that's because they knew what they were doing. They had more guests in. They had mm. more sort of sketches and new stuff rather than relying on old stuff, like I feel like they might have done during the Hollywood Bowl. Hmm. Um, like I really liked the Doctor Who bit, because um, I'm a big Doctor Who fan anyway. I think the bit with Pepe, uh, you know, bringing in all the dancing girls while they're doing a salute to England was fantastic. Um, a couple of bits I feel like, you know... Eh, I don't know why you needed it. I don't think you needed um, Kylie Minogue there, as fine as Kylie Minogue is as an Australian, I say that. Yeah, I don't know that you needed <laughs> her. Um, you certainly didn't need Steps or whoever they are. Um, they were meant to be back for the Saturday night show and then apparently just didn't rock up. Um, huh. So, yeah. I uh, And I also think it was an interesting decision to bring Bobby Moynihan yeah, so that was weird. Yeah, so a friend of mine, uh, one of my best friends, lives in England, and he okay. and his wife went to the show. Mm-hmm. And apparently, when you know Kermit goes, um, you know, to interviews, I guess they, you know, Bobby Moynihan, like that. Bobby Moynihan came out, and a few people apparently ran him, just sort of went, who? Because he's just not a known <laughs> entity, I guess. Right. Like, I know him because I'm a big SNL fan. 
Right. But a lot of America, like England, doesn't get um, SNL. And right. Australia barely gets it. So if he came out here, I don't think anyone would know who he is. So right. I get why they went with him, but yeah. I still think they should have probably gone someone a little more local. Because he had just done the Hollywood Bowl show, but even, I think that the easiest thing for them to do was have him come along and do this show so that they'd be able to do some of the same stuff. Right, but even then, you say they just did the Hollywood Bowl show. They didn't just do it. They did it almost a year ago. So it's not For like, me, that's just. Okay. But, in, in Muppet production time, a year ago just happened. Right, but it, it's not like they didn't have time to right. get someone else. And, I mean, they pretty much created a whole new... Although, I will say, most of Bobby's stuff was stuff from the Hollywood Bowl. Most of the new stuff right. had different guests. Yeah. But, I mean, even then, Bobby didn't do anything that no one else could have picked up. Like, he did Happy Feet, but, I mean, he didn't have to do anything during Happy Feet. That's true. Um, he did the, you know, Good Grief, the comedian's a bear bit. I mean, that's a five-minute bit that would take, you know, any decent actor or comedian a day to learn. So, I don't know that they needed him, but, you know, he did a fine job. I was just, I found, yeah. it, I found it surprising that he also wasn't advertised at all. I had no idea he was in the show until oh, the very first yeah, show I'm happened. I'm not sure I did either. Yeah, that was weird. Now, with David Tennant, does he do more in the show besides the Doctor Who bit? So he did the Doctor Who bit, and then he came out again, um, when was it? Maybe, it's during the second act, because the, um, the Doctor Who picked in the space bit was, like, pretty early in the show. So he came out during okay. the second act. During, Gonzo did a bit where he sort of reversed time. And so David Tennant, actually, and then Peter Davison, when he was also in it, came in and did the, um, came in to basically fix the time warp that was going on. So basically another time travel joke. But it was just an interesting choice, I think. I think, I feel like with all the other guests they had in there, you probably didn't even need Bobby. You could have got someone else. For, for me, I think some of the comedy from what little I have seen from this show kind of fell flat a little bit. Even in the Doctor Who bit, I was like, yeah, I get it. It's fun because it's the Doctor meets pigs in space. But if not for the fact that it's the Doctor meeting pigs in space, this wouldn't be all that interesting of a sketch. I thought um, it was interesting. I really liked the ending of it where they go through all the different incantations of the right. Doctor with the Muppets that, I, dressed as them and then obviously mm-hmm. ends with the Jodie Whittaker, Miss Piggy puppet i thought that was that was funny that was a good ending i like that but all of the setup to that it's like this script doesn't feel finished this feels like the rough draft um but i don't know i i'm picky about muppet writing i guess and so it's i think i got so used to seeing the muppets do narrative for so long because that's sort of been their main thing lately they've been doing movies and tv and their tv show has not had a variety show format it's had that narrative format yeah so I'm attached to that. I'm kind of into that. And so if the Muppets are going to start doing this comedy variety show stuff again where it's all sketch-based, the sketches need to be, like, really solid and really funny. And I felt that, that what I'm seeing here is just fine. I so think maybe it, I'm just being too picky. I think it gave a good um, indication of what a new Muppet show could look like. But because it was only really meant to be seen by the people in the audience. It was never going to have a long-lasting life. And so yeah. I think if they, uh, if it was meant to be for TV or something, they would have maybe gone to a bit more effort. But that said, I still think it was very well done. Yeah, a lot of it looked really cool. So congrats to the Muppets on another successful show. 
Now, in another Muppet universe, the Fraggles are finally coming to Blu-ray for what I believe is the very first time. They hooray! Yay! All like remastered in HD and stuff. So, sorry, I hooray is a Muppets thing. For Fraggles, it's woohoo! Um, well... From the Muppet Mindset, in news we're reporting way later than we should be, it was announced last week that Fraggle Rock would be celebrating its 35th anniversary by bringing the entire series to Blu-ray and will be available 25th of September. Are you missing a the there, Jared? No, I've had a the there and I figured you didn't really need it. Okay. All 96 episodes will be there, meaning you can see Ma Gorg's terrifying first season face in high definition, giving you all sorts of nightmares. Can I just say... Jared... Thank you. It, it's terrifying. Just just thank you. Can I just say how weird it is hearing my writing come out of your voice? Does that is that unsettling to you? It, is that disturbing? I mean, it, I mean, it's disturbing as much as anything else, but it's fine. Also available in the set will be Fraggle Rock, the complete animated series, meaning literally the entire catalog of Fraggle goodness is getting dropped. The animated series will also be made available separately on DVD. But even better than the chance to see Lanford in detail is the special features on the Blu-ray release. They include all new features, an interactive Fraggle music celebration that allows you to sing along to every song, life on set, moments with Jim Henson, and a 1993 appearance by Uncle Traveling Matt on the Today Show. Also included in... Oh, I'm not reading that. That's too long. That is far um, too long. That's a lot. There is a in lot. Fact, I believe you, you write, yikes, that's a lot of features. Oh, wait a second. They just included the whole animated series of Fraggle Rock as, as a bonus feature. Oh, so they I love did. it. A whole series is a bonus feature on this set. Most of the special features we've seen before, uh, the new one with the sing-along stuff doesn't interest me that much because, like, I'm a Muppet fan. I know the words. I can already sing along to every song. Thank you very much. Yeah. Um, life on set moments with Jim Henson. I'm curious to see how they're going to do it. I mean, if there's footage that we have not yet seen of Jim Henson directing on the set of Fraggle Rock, gimme, 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 gimme. I'm really excited. Yeah. But if it's just, here are the videos you've already seen from the past behind the scenes thing that Jim's done on Fraggle Rock, and let's cut to some talking heads of Karen Prell and Dave Goals talking about Jim Henson, then it's like, okay, fine. But I feel like you did this same bonus feature on the Labyrinth DVD and pretty much every other DVD release you do, so, mm -hmm. or at least every Blu-ray Blu release. So it's like... I'm good. I get it. I understand that Jim Henson was awesome. I do a podcast about him. Um, but hey, a 1993 appearance by Uncle Traveling Mount on the Today Show. That sounds fun. I approve. Good. I'm glad. I'll, uh, I'll pass on your approval. Thank you. Yeah, send that along to the higher-ups. But wait, there's more. Oh. There was more to that, my friend. It said, yuck, that's a lot of features, but there's more. Also included is a limited edition scrapbook with behind-the-scenes photos and an introduction by Uncle Traveling Matt. Finally, speaking of everyone's favourite bewildered explorer, a cut-out photo of Uncle Matt will be in the set so you can take him on your vacations and snap great pictures of him at the Eiffel Tower, the Great Wall of China, or your friend's grandma's shed. Why are they giving you a tiny cut-out of Uncle... That's weird. So you can take photos like... of him like he's going around the place. <gasps> we gotta do Amelie, but with Uncle Travelling Matt instead of the gnome. Yes, we're gonna make postcards of him in every country in the world, and it's gonna be stupid. I love it. Write that down. Another online petition. All right. Awesome. Moving on to some cool Big Bird-related stuff, interestingly enough. Uh, from ToughPigs.com, Matador, a production company in Los Angeles, has contracted us with a neat 
has contacted us with a neat opportunity for some Lucky Sesame fans. Actually, you know what? They talked to me about this too. What a coincidence. Me too. We're all Muppet fan sites, so it's not really a coincidence, but it's cool that we all share this this moment of all being contacted by the same uh, not-yet-announced docu-series. Speaking of which, a not-yet-announced docu-series will be filming an episode about Big Bird, and they're looking for your stories. They want you. Specifically, they're looking for real-life stories from parents, kids, and fans who Big Bird has had a positive impact on, or on whom Big Bird has, have a, has had a positive impact. So, uh, Joe, if you're listening, take note. Maybe he taught you a valuable lesson, or he got you through a difficult time. If you think you might have a story worth sharing, feel free to contact the production company directly. Just email uh, Colleen at matadorcontent.com. And that's about it. You can have your cool story about Big Bird and his impact on you in a thing that's probably going to be on TV sometime. Yes, and so, they uh, they do want, they are going to pick a select few to actually be interviewed on camera. So you might actually be on TV. So for those of you who have a fear of being on television or being recorded in general, do not email Colleen at matadorcontent.com. Um, Furthermore... If you know an alien, or if you are one, please email Colleen at matadorcontent.com. Was that a Muppet in Space reference? Actually, it was a Muppets from Space from reference. Space. Please yeah, get the right. title right, Jared. Yeah, right. F*** you. Muppets in Space was a screenplay that was proposed in the 1990s uh, with a slightly similar content to Muppets from Space, but it was actually a different storyline. Fantastic. Thanks for that bit of knowledge I already knew. Well... The folks at home, Jared, we gotta, you know, we gotta play to the camera a little bit. Let's let's be nice to the audience that may not know all of the things that you and I know. Well, then now, they're not real something we things. don't. True. Something that we don't really know much about is all of this talk about a new Muppet series possibly coming to the uh, to be named streaming service that Disney is starting up for all their content. Mm -hmm. But recently, I read that. It is now a probably that we will get a new Muppet series. We don't Correct. know, but before it was just a little rumor that someone said they heard something about a Muppet show. We didn't know if there was anything to it. Now we know people high up in the company are thinking, yeah, we'll probably do this. Correct. So there are plans in motion for a new so, Muppet series. Ooh, ah. I can't say a lot. Mm-hmm. All I can say is something is definitely being spoken about. And I am told the idea of it is very interesting. And that's as much as I'm willing to say on recording. Well, Jared, congratulations. You have just given us the most vague and boring way to end this episode of Muppet Fans Talking. <sighs> Dick. At least we didn't end it with more of my ranting about Wreck-It Ralph, because that would have been really, really boring. Well, I mean, I could tell you more, but I don't want to get in trouble. True. So that I'll tell is fair you, enough. I'll tell you more when we're not being recorded anymore. Oh, wow. Even that could get you in trouble, but I'm going to leave it in because you said it, so it's too late for you. That's fine. All right, everybody. That's our show. Thank you very much for joining me, Mr. Jared Fairclough. Where can people find you on the interweb? People can find me at MuppetMindset.com or Facebook.com slash MuppetMindset or Twitter.com slash MuppetMindset or Instagram.com slash MuppetMindset. Basically, if you go to any website, type in slash MuppetMindset, you're likely to find me. Um, but, you know, that could probably go badly, so don't do that. And with that, I'm JD Hansel. And if that little girl likes me, how bad can I be? Ah. It's okay. It's okay.
<laughs> all right. I mean, all right. Do I stop recording now? I'm going to stop recording. We're done. Welcome to the Waking Up Podcast. This is Chris Harris, filling in for my cousin, Sam. Today I will be speaking with the official dream finder of the Walt Disney Company. We'll be discussing his thoughts on artificially intelligent Trump supporters who meditate, but more on that later. And housekeeping, I got a new t-shirt today. This one's got a picture of Grover on it, and it says, Ask me about my Mr. Johnson. For those of you keeping score, this brings the total number of Sesame Street t-shirts I have to 4,922, which when combined with my Muppet Show shirts, Fraggle shirts, Bear in the Big Blue House shirts, Muppets Tonight shirts, Muppet Movie shirts, Muppet Live Concert shirts, and Ghosts of Fafner Hall shirts brings me to a total of 7,491 Muppet shirts, almost to the big 7,500. And that's not including the Dark Crystal, Labyrinth, Mirror Mask, Farscape, Sid the Science Kid, Hoobs, Pajanimals, Julie's Green Room, and Dinosaur Train Collections, which bring the number even higher, but let's not get sidetracked. And now I bring you the end of the podcast. <laughs>